here we go another episode of the ikp welcome back everybody to another episode of the isaiah kid podcast i got a good one i have a good one today i have a good one today i got a good feeling today so (laughs) all year long all throughout the season stiller fans have been criticizing me about my list how can we not be number one look at our record Look at, at what we're, look at what we're doing. We're 11 and 0. <laughs> all that. I got all that pushback. Um, and then Pittsburgh loses. But that's okay. We're going to tackle that. Um, Baker played well. I'm going to tackle that as well. Um, we got the NBA season uh, you know, ahead of us. I keep talking about it, but we do have it ahead of us. I think the first preseason game is on Friday, I assume. I think the first preseason game was on Friday. Um, and we just, you know, co- we're going to talk about some college football a little bit today. We haven't talked about it much. So let's get into it. Let's start it. Let's, 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 let's start it off. I hope everybody out there is doing well, doing fine. I'm, 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 I'm great. I am great. Um, if you don't know, I'm in college and uh finals weeks, finals, finals, finals. And that's been um that's been let's just say that's been stressful. But for you college students out there that's listening, um, you know, I hope I I know you guys are glad. But let's get into it. Let's get into it and let's start at the top with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um so the previous episode, I came over here and I I, I did it. I said it. I called the Steelers fraudulent. Um, I, I I I also stated that this was the worst eleven and O team that I have seen. Um, I didn't I didn't I didn't think they were very dominant in their eleven wins um, throughout the season. They showed some signs of dominance, but I just I, I didn't see it enough, especially given the fact that they had the second easiest schedule in the league. I didn't see enough dominance. I didn't see enough eye-popping stuff. Because usually with an 11-0 team, with undefeated teams, usually you see some form of dominance. Um, and I just didn't see that. I just didn't see it. Yes, the, and, and, and like I said, I think Pittsburgh is a really good team. But I didn't see the level of dominance where I was like, wow, this 11-0 team, they're legit. The Steelers team, I, they were flawed. I, I, they were flawed. They were the, they're, they're the most flawed 11-0 team that I saw, and they played against a, uh, they played against a scrappy Washington team led by Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is doing a good job with that Washington team. He's really changed the culture as I predicted as he would. Um, and Washington played well. Washington played well, but. And I don't want to take anything from the Washington football team. Their front four is strong. That's the strength of their team. But the Steelers, this shows a lot about what the Steelers really are, who the Steelers really are. I was banging on the Steelers last week, and I emphasize, you know, it is very difficult to convey this and to convince Steeler fans that, this football team right here is flawed despite the record. I tried I tried pushing that and convince and trying to convey that last week. This team is flawed. This team can't run the ball. They're not explosive offensively. Ben is aging. Ben is, ben is aging. 
Ben Roethlisberger is aging. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Because the first few weeks early on, he was playing some good football. But as the seasons waned, um, the, the, you know, it's gotten colder. We're going in, we're in December football. Ben has, ben has regressed. Ben Roethlisberger has regressed. He's regressed. And I'm going to talk about that. So this is the thing with the Steelers. They're, 20, they, they're 28th in explosive play percentage. So like I said, they're not a real explosive offense. Defensively, they're great. Um, now they have now also defensively, they're 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 good defensively, but now they have some really big, they have some really notable guys that are injured. Now Bud Dupree, he was he he's out. You know, they already they already were miss, missing Devin Bush, their play caller. Now Splain, Devin Bush replacement, he came down on his knee wrong. We don't, we, you know, we don't know, we don't, we don't know his status. We're all aware that the Steelers cannot run the football, and it was very telling on 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 what on Monday, on Monday night football. It was very telling that they couldn't run the football because on th- this and this was the this was the crucial, this was the point of the game where I was I was realized I was like this Steeler team really cannot run the football. They really. Don't trust their running game. They don't trust it. They really can't run the football. First, it was it was a goal line stands. And yes, like I said, Washington, they have a good front four. That's the strength of their defense and their team. But from one yard, from from one yard outside of the end zone, the Steelers couldn't punch the ball in. They tried and couldn't punch it in. Okay. No, stout defense by Washington. Then on third and one, and it later in the game, on third and one and fourth and one, they decide to throw the ball two straight times. It didn't work out. And you, you, you're probably questioning, probably asking, well, why didn't they run the football? Because they can't. They can't run the football. On third and one, on fourth and one, they can't run the football. That's crazy to say, but Pittsburgh can't. Also, Pittsburgh. They, their, their, their receivers, they, they get paid to catch the ball. Their receivers are leading the league in drops. And in that one game versus Washington, they had seven drops. And that was a trend last week. Now, Mike Tomlin, I could have sworn Mike Tomlin literally went on a rant in the postgame conference last week, and he was explaining how bad the Steelers team looked. And you would think, oh, yeah, Mike Tomlin, good coach. Stiller team, veteran, you know, some veterans on the team. The Steelers going to play better. Oh, yeah, they didn't. And they lost, finally. They lost. They lost. So you had seven drops. You lead the league in drops. And then also noticing something. Ben threw the ball 50 times again. He threw the ball 53 times again. And once again, I reiterate. You do not, as it gets colder, you do not want your 38-year-old quarterback who is just coming off of a, of a, he's coming off of surgical repair on his elbow. How do you think that's going to fare well in December and January? Not too good. Not too good. And actually, this is a trend 
That's been happening for the Steelers. This is a trend. This is a trend now. Ben Roethlisberger, since week seven, he is averaging 46 passing attempts per game. Since week seven, Ben Roethlisberger is averaging 46 passing attempts per game. And the reason why they were so effective, let me get to the reasons why the Steelers were so effective. The reason why offensively, they were they were effective offensively because they were getting the ball out quick. It was a lot of RPO. Ben wasn't holding on to the ball. And their receivers are pretty good despite the drops. The, and, and these are simple. These are, by the way, these drops, these are not contested passes. A lot of these drops are sh- are, are are short and intermediate routes, and they're just dropping them. But nevertheless, Pittsburgh has talented receivers on the outside, and they're usually making guys miss, and that's how they get their big plays. But other than that, Pittsburgh really can't, they really can't beat you over the top. They're not, they're not, they're not gonna run the football down your throat. They're not gonna do it. They can't do it. They can't do it. And and, and I know James Conner, he's been out for a couple weeks now, for a few weeks now. But even with him, the running game was average. Even with him, the running game was average. And all year, I have been talking about how the Steelers have been playing down to their competition. They have played average teams. And now finally, you know, they didn't play well enough to win. And Washington, they did enough to execute and win the game. And hand the Steelers their first loss. <sighs> Poor Steelers. Poor Steelers. And this is this is my this was my total point. Because now I'm looking at the totality of the AFC. We know can we we damn sure know Kansas City is better than Pittsburgh. <sighs> looking at the fact right now, it, you may call it recency bias. It may be recency bias. But right now, Buffalo is better than Pittsburgh right now. Cleveland Browns look pretty good. Cleveland Browns look pretty good. I'm not gonna say I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say Cleveland's better than Pittsburgh, but Cleveland is they're clicking at the right time. Pittsburgh, uh, they ain't looking too good. They ain't looking too good. <laughs> um, and, and and you know, I, I just I, I called it out. I called it out. You know, the Stiller fans did not like it. People didn't like it. Nah. I called it out. And and, and little do you know, I I went, I I I banged on the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. And I talked about how how bad how 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 the competition is bad that they've been playing. The competition look at the teams they've been playing. The teams they've been playing have been average. Uh, okay, you you played Dallas with Garrett Gilbert. <laughs> you played Cincinnati. <laughs> you played Jacksonville. Oh yeah, you know, and and, and and people got so offended that I called the Steelers fraudulent. They were, <laughs> they were, they are. People got so offended that I called that I called the Steelers the worst eleven and zero team that I saw because they are. I mean, just. Sometimes, like, just forget about records. Because can we all admit the Giants are a pretty good football team under Joe Judge? 
The Giants are five and seven, but the Giants are well coached. Um, it's there's definitely been a culture change, and the Giants are better at this moment. They are they are a good team. But the Giants are five and seven. So like I don't look I don't always look at records. You don't always have to go by records. I know Bill Parcells, the great Bill Parcells, has the great saying, you are what your record says you are. Sure, okay. But the Giants are five and seven. They're on a current four-game win streak. They started off the season 0-5. And, 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 and not to mention, five of their seven losses are in one possession games. They're in one possession games. <laughs> like, so yeah, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is 11 and 1. And they won 11 straight. They started off 11 and 0. But look at the teams they played. Look at the teams they played. It, 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 I'm just adding context to the situation. Okay, you're 11 and 0, but how are you 11 and 0? Why are you 11 and 0? Well, okay, let's look at your schedule. You played the Giants, you played the Cowboys, you played the, the, the Texans, you played the Cincinnati. You played Cleveland early on the season, and granted, you blew them out. But you played Denver. You played. You played. You, 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 I mean, it, it's a it's a whole lot of uh, in this schedule. You played four backup quarterbacks. You played four backup quarterbacks, and I know it's hard to grasp because this is this is my whole focal point about uh, about my my last take my last week's take on Saturday. We we look at the Steelers' history, and they've done so much winning and have rarely lost. They they don't do they don't do a lot of they don't do a lot of losing. Steelers fans they don't they don't know what losing looks like. They don't have a lot of those years. Actually, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season, so they don't know what that looks like. But we just assume oh with the eleven and zero record. And the Steelers' history and the Steelers' mantra, we're like, okay, yeah, this team is legit. Well, uh, I mean, okay, let's look past the history. Yes, historically, they're great. The Steelers are great. Six Super Bowls, great. Mike Tomlin, great coach. Bill Coward, great coach. Great coach. Chuck Noll, great coach. We get it. But what about this year? This year. This year. And you look at their schedule. You add contacts. You see how the way they're playing. They can't run the football. They got key injuries on defense. How could you say this team is the best team in the NFL? And when you look at teams like, I don't know, Kansas City, the, def the defending champions, when you look at teams like New Orleans, who's won nine straight, you look at teams like Buffalo, you look at, look at teams like Green Bay, you look at teams like that, and you're like, right now, they're better than Pittsburgh. They're better than Pittsburgh. As simple as that. They're better than Pittsburgh. They're better than Pittsburgh. As simple as that. They are. They <laughs> they are. <laughs> they are. And it's okay. I'm not saying Pittsburgh's not a great team. Because they are. They're, they're, they're a really good team. They're flawed, but they're a really good team. They have some injuries, but they're a really good team. So I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bang on them. Can they still get to the Super Bowl? Sure they can. Are they my pick to get to the Super Bowl? No. No. 
I'm not saying they can't get to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl. I'm not saying they can't win the Super Bowl. But at this juncture right now, if you're in your just your right mind, looking at that game and looking at Pittsburgh throughout the entire season, throughout the entirety of the season, especially these last few weeks, because the last few weeks they haven't played well. If we're, if we're really being honest, can we really say Pittsburgh is better than Kansas City, New Orleans, Green Bay, or Buffalo right now? You think about it. You think about it and you tell me. And so last episode, I might have just been speaking the gospel. <laughs> you know, last episode, I was on it. I was hot because the quarterbacks that I talked about, like the quarterbacks that I was questioning, I wouldn't say talk bad about. Jared Goff, I did. I, I did get it. I did talk about Jared Goff a little bit. I criticized Jared Goff last week. But on, on Saturday's episode, I was just on fire. I was on fire. I mean, because I talked about Jared Goff. Jared Goff went out there versus Arizona. He played well. He had to come to he had to come to Jesus. I I, I bet you Sean McVay had to come to Jesus with us with Jared Goff. So Jared Goff played well. And then, you know, Monday Night Football, I'm pretty high on Josh Allen for the most part. So that was no surprise. I I you know, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I was surprised that Josh Allen played that well. But um, as far as like his accuracy and his efficiency, he was really efficient versus San Francisco on Monday night. Um, so he played really well. And then, you know, my guy, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I mean, between him and Russell Westbrook, I criticize those two guys the most. And, you know, you want me to be honest? On Sunday, as I was watching that Browns game, I was pretty happy for Baker Mayfield. I was pretty happy. I ain't going to lie. I was pretty happy for him. He had played well. So I might have been speaking the truth <laughs> um, on Saturday's episode. I might have been speaking the truth. But with Baker Mayfield, let's talk about Baker Mayfield. And like I said, I was happy for Baker um, and how well he was playing. I was happy because it lets me know he can do it. He, oh, he 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 has it somewhat in somewhat inside of him. He has it. He has the tools to be, you know, to be. I don't want to say uh, now. <laughs> let's, let's be careful now. Let's be careful. <laughs> let's be careful. I'm not saying Baker's going to, you know, he's going to tear up the league. He's right there neck and neck with Mahomes. No, 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 no. We're not going to go down that road. But it showed me he can he can this this browns team they can't they can win a playoff game they can win a playoff game because at first yes i predicted before the season started i predicted the browns to make the playoffs i thought they were going i thought they were going to win 9 to 10 games they're 9 and 3 right now so they already are at the threshold um it, they should win 10 games. At, they should win at least 10 games. It, it's, you know, the way how they're playing, they they probably finish 11 and 5, maybe. Um, because they got Pittsburgh and Baltimore um on their schedule. So they might finish 11 and 5. You know, who, who knows? But the main point is Baker played well versus a really good team. Um, I you know, I'm not gonna poo-poo it. I'm not gonna be poo-poo king. I'm not gonna poo-poo his performance because he did it against a he did it against a really good Titans team, a Titans team that I feel like 
a Titans team that I feel like we kind of overrate, and 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 I'm guilty of it too, because defensively the Titans are are are, are just oh man oh man. But I'm but once again I don't want to be poo poo king. I don't want to poo poo. I don't want to I don't want to rain on Baker Mayfield's parade because he played well. He played well. There's no way. There's no way around that. Baker, there's no way around the fact to say Baker Mayfield played well. He did. He did. And he showed me that, hey, maybe the Browns can win a playoff game. Maybe they can. Because like I said, I predicted them to get to the playoffs. But I thought that's where the buck stops. But the way how Baker played against the Titans, who are, once again, who are a legitimate opponent, um... They're they're a really good team. Now, whether I think they're overrated or, or underrated, that that's that's neither here or there. But they are a good team, and that's all. That's the performance I've been waiting for from Baker Mayfield all year. I've been waiting for that performance, that type of performance, and that was the best. I I, I I kid you not, that was the best game that I've seen Baker Mayfield play as a pro. I, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. That is the best game that I've seen Baker May Baker Mayfield play as a pro. That is the best game I've seen him play as a pro. As a pro quarterback, that is the best game I've seen him play. I mean, he was clicking. He 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 had a swagger to his game. He had a rhythm. He was confident. He's most of the time he is confident. He don't lack confidence. That's one thing Baker Mayfield doesn't like. But he was confident. He had a swagger. I didn't mind the celebrations this time. Because you were up. You were up 30. You were up 30 plus points. I didn't mind the celebrations. I didn't mind, you know, I didn't mind all the other stuff. I didn't mind the joke. You know, the little, you know, the little joke or whatever, you know, the little uh the little office joke that he made, the office joke that he made. Uh in the post game conference, I didn't mind it because he he won, he balled out, he played well, <laughs> he played well. Now let's talk about why he played well. What's the why behind Baker Mayfield balling balling out the way he did? Well, first he just played well, and he you know he he's full of confidence, but all he was poised too. He looked really poised, but this comes from. I'm gonna give I'm a I'm a I'm a big up Kevin Stefanski because from day one I've like I I I I like this hot the Browns since they hired Kevin Stefanski I have I, I love the hire excuse me I love the hire of Kevin Stefanski throughout the summertime throughout the offseason when they made the decision I like I loved the Kevin Stefanski hire. I loved it. I loved it because I, I I loved what he did. Well, I, I I'm gonna say I loved what he did in Minnesota, but he was really good and he and he's shown in Minnesota, and we all know the Vikings over the years haven't had you know that that quintessential top tier quarterback. They haven't had a top end quarterback, and his offenses in Minnesota offensively they were productive. They were productive. And I knew his formula, they were gonna run the football. But Baker, this comes from a good scheme. K- 
Kevin Stefanski has played. Ha, he, this is the perfect match for Baker. This is the perfect match for him. Schematically, this is the best match for Baker Mayfield. Running the football, playing good, play, you know, you know, playing good defense, play action, making the correct reads. This this comes from a good scheme. Also, Baker, he has talent around him. That's what that was that that was was that was was most frustrating to me. Baker was struggling and not playing well, and some of it is just Baker. Like he has the great, he has good talent around him. I mean, the Browns they rebuilt their offensive line this past offseason. They 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 ha- they have two really good wideouts with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Now Odell Beckham, we all know he's injured and out right now. But Jarvis Landry, since the Odell injury, has taken up the burden, and he and he looks apart. You, you know, they went outside Austin Hooper. They have David Njoku, another athletic tight end. Not to mention Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Those two horses behind him. He has two thousand yard. He has two thousand yard backs. He has a volume catching tight end in Austin Hooper. He has. A, a 80 to 90 catch receiver in Jarvis Landry. Odell's hurt, but Njoku's another athletic tight end. He has all he has talent around him. He has the good, he has good talent around him. Then this comes from play calling from you know from Kevin Stefanski. The play calling from Kevin Stefanski is really good. He might and he mixed it up a little bit. He showed some versatility a little bit. He showed some comfort in letting Baker Mayfield play a little bit. He showed some comfort because, you know, they started off the Browns really start. I mean, that was there was really no uh, there was no better way for the Browns to start off that football game. The first drive, they went down, they had a productive drive, didn't end in a touchdown, but they scored a field goal. Then defensively, they 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 made a, a really crucial stop on fourth on fourth and short versus Derrick Henry, <laughs> which is tough. <laughs> they did that against Derrick Henry. They got a crew, they got a big stop. They scored a touchdown on that on that drive. Then the second defensive drive possession, they forced a fumble on Derrick Henry. So they get the ball back and they score again. That was it was no it that was the perfect way for the Browns to start off that game. That was the perfect way. That was the perfect way. And <laughs> I know Browns fans are excited because they finally saw they got they, I mean this, I I truly feel like this is the best I've seen Baker Mayfield play. That game versus Tennessee, that was the best I've seen him play. Um and <laughs> I look at this Browns team, I've come I've come I've come around. I've come around. You know, Freddie Kitchens wasn't the guy. And some of this is, you know, and this is why, yes, I bang on Baker a lot, but I was banging on the Browns organization as well last year. Because last year, John Dorsey, he went out and hired Freddie Kitchens. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, I I, I mean, I don't don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. Freddie Kitchens, I I don't even know what to say. But hi, Freddie Kitchens. Obviously didn't work out as I predicted. Went out, they uh they 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 got rid of John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens, so they packed their bags together. Um, and they hired Kevin Stefanski. 
And I like the hire. I like the hire a lot. And, you know, this 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 Browns team, they fixed their needs. They they they've realized their needs. Now, um, defensively, they kind of worry me in the secondary, especially. The secondary kind of worries me. Um, but as far as the offensive line, um, what they what like what they wanted to play like schematically, what they want to play like, they went out and adjusted and got to what they needed. They they the offense, I mean, their offensive line last year was not that great. Their offensive line last year was not that great. And Cleveland with Kevin Stefanski, I, I predicted it. I said, with Kevin Stefanski, if I know anything about Kevin Stefanski in Minnesota, he's going to run the football. <laughs> he's going to run the football because he did it in Minnesota. He did it in Minnesota with Dalvin Cook. He did it in Minnesota with Adrian, Adrian Peterson. He did it. And and also, Baker and, and with Kevin Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski, he's worked with quarterbacks that have limitations. Because we all know, I mean, we've we come to the grips. Baker isn't like over like otherworldly talented okay but he is but if he continues to play like that he's gonna be okay but Kevin Stefanski in Minnesota he 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 coached the Case Keenums uh the Kirk Cousins the Christian Ponders the Teddy Bridgewaters the Tavares Tavares Jackson those guys weren't the most gifted quote-unquote per se they weren't the most gifted but he coached around that and he did a damn good job at it, especially with Case Keenum, Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater. He had he had great success with those guys. Well, I'm not gonna say great success, but he had success. He had success with those guys. And from from and from there, when they hired Kevin Stefanski, I you know they had Chubb, they had Kareem Hunt, they had all this talent on the offense. I was like, <laughs> you know, you know they got all these these they got all these pass catchers. They're gonna be running the football. They're gonna be a running football team. That is their identity. That is our that is their that's their identity. Um, and they they went out, signed free agents, they sent right down, they signed and drafted offensive linemen. And now, according to Pro Football Focus, which is you know, if you don't know, Pro, Pro Football Focus is like the Bible. It's like the NFL's Bible. You know, you look at stats, they have all the all the grades and all that good stuff. It's like the Bible of the NFL. And right now, PFF has the Cleveland Browns offensive line, they have them as the highest-rated pass-blocking and the highest-rated run-blocking offensive line. So that shows you the improvement. Because last year, the offensive line was not good, especially at the important positions. It was not good. And they went out and fixed it. They went out and fixed it. They 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 went out and fixed it. So I give credit to you know the Browns front office, uh, Kevin Stefanski, you know, with sticking to his scheme and system, and Baker. Baker played well, and I was happy for Baker. You know, I was happy for him. I I, I get on Baker a lot. Um, I, I you know I, I get on him a lot. I do, I do. But he, I gotta give, I gotta give it up to the man. I I, I mean, he played well. He played well. He played well. And if you know. If somehow, some way, this episode or this segment gets to Baker, hmm, I I would greatly appreciate it. If Baker heard this, I hope he would appreciate it. Because I mean, he's played well. He's he, and he's been playing well for the last few weeks. But I wanted to see it against Tennessee because you know tennis, you know, good teams. Baker <laughs> he hasn't had the best history, but he's played well. I gotta give him his due. I gotta give him his just due. I have to give him his just due. 
So I'm going to shift gears. I'm going to talk about some college football. College football rankings came out last night. So I'm going to tell you what I think about that in this sketchy situation, this sticky situation. I don't think it's really sticky, but some people do. Uh, I talk about that on the next uh, segment. Baker has to continue to be consistent with this, but I think he'd be fine. He got to continue to be consistent. Consistency is the key for Baker Mayfield. But once again, I, I you know, that's he had a great performance. But he has to be consistent. He has to be consistent. Consistency is the key. And, and I really mean, I really do mean that about Baker. But he played great. Um, that was the best game I've seen him play as a pro and so forth. But let's move on to the, you know, from one Ohio team to the next Ohio team, which is Ohio State. And the playoff, the college fall playoff rankings, they came out last night. And, and, and I must say this before I even dive into that. I'm, I apologize if you are a listener and you have you have been dying and wanting and wanting for me to talk more about college football, but I'm sorry. This year has been difficult to follow college football. First, different conferences either did not play or started late. Um, the ACC and the SEC they started off, and the Big Twelve they started on on time, but the Big Ten started off late. The Pac-12 started off really late, so. It's just been a lot of inconsistencies from weekend to week out, from Saturday to Saturday. Games get canceled. Uh, you know, I, I I often look forward to watching some of these games, and they get canceled, and it's like ah. Uh. So it's been a very tough year in um in, in college football dealing with COVID, and rightfully so. I mean, can, I mean, I mean, rightfully so. College campuses, uh, you know, college kids, they're gonna be out. You know, some kids don't want to wear masks, all that good stuff. I, you know, we kind of we kind of figured it, it would be very difficult. Uh, it'll be a very difficult college football season and so forth. But if you don't know, Ohio State is currently sitting at five and no, and they're, they're 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 still ranked the college football playoff. They still the committee, they still rank Ohio State at number four. So they're in the they're in the four as we speak, but um, they're kind of a defender bender right now because you have to play in order to qualify for the Big Ten championship game. You have to play six games in Ohio State. Obviously, they're five and zero. They haven't played six games, and they're up and coming. Well, their game versus their their annual game versus Michigan has been canceled. So, um, there's question whether or not it can, it, it, you know, whether or not Ohio State is going to be, you know, be able to play in the Big Ten. Um, are they going to change the rule? And let's let, it's a lot to break down and digest. Let's first break down why in the hell did the Big Ten come up with this rule? Why did the Big Ten come up with this? You have to play six game rule when first, first, you started off late. We're in a COVID. It's COVID. It's a it's a COVID year right now, so you know it's an eight game. So they had an eight game schedule. They say you have to play. Big Ten says you have to play six games, and um, and I get it. Okay, you want to play six games, but you should have known there were going to be some cancellations. You should have known some games weren't going to be played due to COVID. You should have known this, Big Ten. You should have known this. So that's that's my first that's my first thing. <laughs> Why would they come up with this rule? 
Secondly, do I have a problem with the Big Ten changing the rule, possibly changing the rule for Ohio State? No, I don't. I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. Let me tell you this. First of all, it is clear as day that Ohio State is the best is, is, is the best team. It's the cream of the crop of the Big Ten. They're, they're the best team in the Big Ten. So let's get that out the way. And I know morally and the moralists, you know, the, the people going to be like, it's just something they don't like. It's like, why are we changing the rules for Ohio State? I mean, come on. It's Ohio State. First, it's Ohio State. Okay. And yes, it it, it doesn't get like it, the, the, the look of it of the Big Ten changing and modifying its rule because the Big Ten can't. Don't qualify because the because Ohio State doesn't qualify for the Big Ten championship. Okay, yeah. I mean, if you're into that type of thing, if you're you know if you're if you want to be morally correct, okay, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. It looks more like the rich getting richer. You know what I mean? But Ohio State is clear as day. They are the best football team in the Big Ten. They are. They are right now. Ohio State is in the midst. Of one of its one of its best runs as far as like I mean if you look at Ohio State over the last I don't know five years you can date back all the way to Urban Meyer into the Urban Meyer days they have this historic run that Ohio State on they're in the same they're in the same class as Alabama and Clemson and so forth they're they're having just as good as runs of those as those programs um, in some areas maybe even better but. Ohio State should definitely be. They should the, the Big Ten. If they can't find, if they, if somewhere, if some way somehow, Ohio State can't find a Big Ten game, and they can't play their sixth game, they should find. They should the the, the Big Ten should 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 modify that rule, because that rule I would argue that rule shouldn't that that, sh- that rule shouldn't have been made up. But also, let's be honest. Let's be honest. I think it's okay to change the rule for Ohio State because first, it's a COVID year. Nothing, nothing is a constant. Everything is just all over the place. It was, it was a, it was a it, that that rule that. And by the way, if you don't know, that rule was put into place this year due to COVID. So changing and modifying that rule wouldn't make a big difference we would like people get it people get it it's COVID-19 you know like it's been going on throughout the entire year of 2020 things have need things have been changed things have been shifted in I mean in in a six game you know it's not like Ohio State hasn't played it's not like Ohio State they've won and played five games the 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 threshold is six games They've played five games. There's no big difference. Now, if Ohio State only played three games, okay. Okay, maybe you got a point. But Ohio State, they've played five games. So the the, the, the schedule should be changed. But also, let's talk about this with Ohio State. Ohio, and, and yes, Ohio State is the breadwinner. They, 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 they bring in the lettuce for the Big Ten and so forth. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But the Big Ten... For, for Ohio State to be the prominent team in the Big Ten, for, for Ohio State to be the monster and the juggernaut in the Big Ten, the Big Ten has not given Ohio State any favors. 
Because first, let's 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 go on like a little timeline. Ohio State were one of the one of the teams that were vocal about we need to start the season, you know, playing college football. The Ohio State were amongst the teams that were like the more the most vocal. They were amongst those teams. Big Ten canceled their season, and then you know, Ohio State, they they once again, Ohio State was very vocal in restarting the season. Okay, the Big Ten restarts the season. Once again. You know, when they as far as when the Big Ten wanted to start their season, the Big Ten, they wanted to start their season mid to late October. Ohio State was against that. Ohio State was like, hey, we should start it in early October because we have more wiggle room for a for you know for the perfect situation right now. But the Big Ten didn't give in you know with them with them starting the football season late October or mid-October to late October. It didn't give it didn't give teams any wiggle room. You didn't give any wiggle room to the schedule. You didn't. You and, and then you put out the threshold of you have to play six games in order to make it to the Big Ten championship game. But 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 you started the season off later than which you had to, or you you started off the season later. You could have started off the season earlier in October, um and. And have, and have a little bit, a couple, a couple more weeks of wiggle room for some fill-in games for a situation like this. So that those are those are some instances of where Ohio State have been, they have been left with the short end of the stick. And the Big Ten has not given, they, they have not given Ohio State any favors. And then also Ohio State, three, three of their games were canceled. Okay, Ohio State has had three games canceled so far this year due to COVID, obviously. But two of those games, it was because of the other schools having COVID outbreaks. Two of those games was against Merlin and Michigan. Merlin had their Merlin football team, they had their COVID outbreak. Michigan had their COVID outbreak. That's that has nothing to do with Ohio State. That's not Ohio State's fault. Ohio State should not be penalized because Merlin and Michigan, their football programs, uh, you know, had a COVID outbreak. And it happens. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not condemning Michigan or Merlin for having a COVID outbreak because it, it's it's happening. It, it, this is just a part of the uh, of the year so far. But you shouldn't condemn Ohio State for not playing those games when those schools you know, it wasn't Ohio State. It, it wasn't Ohio State's fault. It wasn't Ohio State's doing. So, you know, these games that have been canceled and taken away from Ohio State, it's just, it, it, it's, quite frankly, it's just not their fault. And then you think about last week, what Ohio State had to go through. Ohio State, they had 23 players on COVID, on the COVID list. Like, they had COVID, like, they couldn't play. They were missing three offensive linemen. They were missing some key contributors to their football team last year, I mean, last week, and they dominated. They, they they dominated Michigan State. And Michigan State, mind you, Michigan State is coming off of the win versus Northwestern a couple weeks ago. So, uh, you know, I, absolutely. The, the, the rules should change um, or should be changed for Ohio State. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and let me and, and let me if you don't know let me let me put this into play. 
because there's championship. There's championships on the line. There, there, you know, there's the the the, play, the college football playoff. It's a lot on the line with this decision. Because let's say let's let's just play the game. Let's just play the scenario game. Let's say Notre. Let's say um. Let's say Clemson beats Notre Dame. Let's say Florida beats Alabama. And let's say Ohio State, they're still at five games. They're not a Big Ten champion. Um, and they couldn't find a sixth game. Which I think is gonna um, I, I don't think it's gonna happen. I think this is I think by the way, by the way, mind you, I think this scenario is unlikely. But let's just play the game. Like I said, Clemson wins, they're in. Notre Dame is our, you know, Notre Dame is virtually a lock at this point. Alabama, let's say Alabama loses to Florida in the SEC championship game. Ohio State wouldn't make it. Ohio State would not. Would they? 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 they I don't. I mean, they wouldn't make the cause for a playoff. Would they make it over Alabama? Would you put? Because would you put Ohio State at five? At five? At five and zero? And they're great, and, I, and I'm and I'm 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 hoping that Ohio State gets the chance to uh, compete for the nat for the for the national championship and the Big Ten championship. I'm hoping they get the chance because I I think it's clearly it, it's as clear as day that they are amongst the four best teams in the country. I think it's clear. But once again, let's I'm gonna reiterate. Let's say if Florida wins the SEC championship over Alabama. Which is which is not which is unlikely, but let's say they do. And Clemson beats Notre Dame. Where do you fit Ohio State in at five wins? Where do you fit them in? Once again, I think that scenario is unlikely, but it's just something to think about. It's just something to think about. <clears throat> and to add a little bit of more spice to this. The, if you don't know, the Big Ten benefits, they, they they get money. They get revenue and money just based off the fact Ohio State makes the college football playoff. So, like, conferences, they get paid for that. Conferences get paid when their teams make the college football playoff. So, there's obviously there's, – there, there's, some, there's something at stake for the Big Ten as well. There's something at stake for the Big Ten as well. There's everybody has their hand in the pot. <laughs> everybody has their hand in the pot. So this is this is no this is no small decision right now. Um, I'm assuming that the Big Ten is probably going to change the rule, the six game rule, um, and Ohio State is going to qualify to play in the Big Ten championship game. Or if that doesn't happen, let's just say that's I'm wrong. Let's just say that that guess is wrong. I think Ohio State's going to try to find another a sixth game to, in order to qualify for the Big Ten championship. But I don't think they will have to. I think the Big Ten is going to change the rule. And as they should. As they should. Because none of this is Ohio State's fault. None of this, none of this is none of this is Ohio State's fault. And but but it just shows you. <laughs> It just shows once again. This is an example of the dysfunction in the NCAA in college football, because you have these conferences, you have these Power Five conferences just 
on their own. They're on their own. They're isolated and they're making their own quote unquote decisions. And <laughs> in Ohio State, I, I must say, like, like I said, the, uh, the Big Ten has not given Ohio State any um, any favors because Ohio State was very vocal about starting the season in October, you know, for wiggle room for the purposes of COVID. What happens if multiple games get canceled? Canceled. What happens if a, a team like Ohio State high up in the rankings and have the chance to make the college football playoff and they're not able to make the threshold or meet the threshold of the six games that you have to qualify to play in the Big Ten Championship? What happens then? What happens then? So, you know, once again, I think it shows the dysfunction from the Big Ten or from, from, the, from college football period, not just the Big Ten, but college football period. It shows the dysfunction. It just shows it. But I, I think um I think it'll all work out for the better. I think it'll all work out for the better for Ohio State. Um, it, it, it's a and, and some people may feel like oh well they're only doing it because it's Ohio State. Well, I would I would argue if if a Big Ten if another Big Ten team like Indiana, let's say Indiana was in Ohio State's shoes, let's say let's say if Indiana they were five and zero. They, they beat Ohio State, and they were clearly the best team in the Big Ten, but and was ranked number four by the playoff committee, but didn't have enough games and didn't qualify for the Big Ten championship. I think the Big Ten would still, would still, you know, change the schedule and modify the schedule. I think they would because they're once again. I really, I reiterate, there's money at stake. So Ohio State, they should make the they should they should change the rule for Ohio State. Um, get Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. College football will benefit. The Big Ten is going to benefit. Ohio State obviously gets what they want. They benefit. It, it's all for the greater good. I mean, because I mean, let's be honest. Like Florida has been a great story, and you know Kyle Trask has been balling, but highly unlikely that Florida that Florida beats. Um, Alabama SEC championship. Um, Trevor Lawrence is coming back. Trevor Lawrence is back this time for the second meeting versus Notre Dame. So you know, I, I would, I would, I would guess Clemson would win this time, um, and, and both of those teams will probably make it. And then in then Ohio State, Ohio State is clearly the the, the best. They're clearly amongst the top four. Um, in the in, in the in the country, they're clearly they're clearly deserving of it. This the Big Ten just got to change their schedule or find them another game so they qualify for the Big Ten championship game. Simple as that. <laughs> Simple as that. That's all you got to do. Simple as that. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. So before I even move on to Carson Wentz in the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, that whole saga with Doug Peterson and so forth. Um, <clears throat> the you know breaking news. This is throughout the podcast. This is throughout, throughout the episode. Breaking news just in. Uh, the Big Ten eliminates the six game, uh, the six game minimum for the title game. So that the rule that I was <laughs> ranting about and talking about. Uh, the Big Ten just announced breaking news. That they are not, um, they're, they're going to eliminate the six game rule 
which means Ohio State is now eligible to play in the Big Ten championship game, which they will do, and they'll be playing versus Northwestern December 19th. Um, and like I said, I knew the Big Ten would. I, I kind of figured the Big Ten would change the schedule and so and so forth. Um, but big news for Ohio State fans, Buckeye Nation. Um, they had a big, they had a tough loss versus Clemson, a controversial loss. I mean, uh, tough loss versus Clemson last year. So, you know, I know they're, I know they're glad to get back to, um, or you know, having a chance to get back to that college football playoff. Um, and the big, you know, getting to the Big Ten championship game, winning the Big Ten championship game. We'll all go to, you know, it go part in that and go part to that, you know, getting back to that stage. But great news for Ohio State. Um, you know, it, it it just keeps getting better and better for Ohio. <laughs> you know, Cleveland Browns, you know, Ohio State, you know, it just keep getting better and better. But another nevertheless, let's move on to James so not James Harden. Um <laughs> that's next. Um, Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. If you have not heard, the Philadelphia Eagles announced their starter, and their starter will be Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, um, he, he stepped in. They played them a little bit. They played him um, in, in, in the Green Bay game a little bit. Carson Wentz struggled. Carson Wentz, you know, he, he, he's doing the same thing. Let me tell you this. Um... First, first and foremost, let me let me put the let me put this out for Jalen Hurts, uh, and you know, you know, if you're wondering about how I feel about Jalen Hurts, I think he should start, because Carson Wentz, he's not going to turn around this. He's not going to turn around his play this year. It's just not going to happen this year, and it may not happen in Philadelphia. His, you know, it may not happen in Philadelphia. His confidence has clearly wavered. Um. He just he just don't he just don't like the same player, um, and, and I'm a big Carson Wentz fan. I, I'm a, I mean I'm 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 a, I'm a, I usually I usually talk I try to I try to <laughs> I try to add context to his struggles because he's not the like he's not the prime and sole reason why Philadelphia is struggling. No 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 he's not the he's not the primary reason, but he is a part of the reason why they have been struggling. Um, do I think Philadelphia could do a better job at drafting receivers? Sure, they can. Do I think Doug Peterson could do a better job at simplifying the game plan and simplifying reads? Yeah, I, th I think so. Um, have, have has Philadelphia had a bad break of injuries over the last few years? Yes, they certainly have. No other team in, in the last like two, three years. No other team has been banged up as much as the Philadelphia Eagles. His O-line play, yes, Carson Wentz, his offensive line is not the greatest. He's the most hit. He's the most sacked quarterback in the league. But he also leads the league in turnovers. He also leads the league in interceptions. So his bad play does not help the lack of supporting cast that he has. Because, yeah, okay, you're already behind the eight ball in terms of the supporting cast. No doubt about it. The supporting cast in Philadelphia doesn't help. Doesn't help. But 
your bad play, and not just bad play, it's just like ill-advised throws, bad decision throws. This is just, I mean, it, it, sometimes he's off. Sometimes Carson Wentz make late reads. Sometimes he holds on to the ball too long. So it's, you know, all of that combined, this is why you're 3-8-1. and one. I mean, because, yes, the supporting cast is not the greatest, but your play isn't uplifting that lack of supporting cast like it did last year. And I think his confidence really wavered when they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. I know, and I know people get tired of people saying it, but it, it you know, your confidence, it, your confidence is staggering. I mean, think about it. If you were working at a company, and you know you have a you have a you have a specific job to do, but then the higher ups hire somebody. That that does the same thing as you. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't feel some type of way about it, even though you're getting paid handsomely. You wouldn't feel no type of way about it. You wouldn't feel no. You wouldn't feel no type of way about it. Let's be honest. You would. You would. If you were, if you, if you, if you were in whatever profession you're in, whatever job you work. And whoever your higher ups are, whoever your boss is, and they and they hire somebody that that that, that does the same thing you do, <laughs> that wouldn't be a, a you know a, a eyebrow raiser or anything. You wouldn't feel any type of way about it, even though you're getting paid handsomely, even though you're getting paid really well. Yeah, make you feel some type of way. And with Carson Wentz, yes, he's getting paid a, a large. He's getting paid a lump sum. Yes, the Eagles. They invested a lot of money in him. Yes, they have. But, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> and that contract is going to be hard to move off of, but it still weighs on your confidence. It's still, it's, still, it's, it's still in your head. It's still in your head. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even mad at the fact that he, you know, his conference is wavering. Yet, does he have to be stronger mentally? Sure. But with Jalen Hurts... Is he going to change this situation in Philadelphia? I don't think so. I don't think. I mean, they play New Orleans this week. I think they're going to lose. Either It doesn't matter what quarterback they play versus New Orleans. <laughs> they're going to lose. Philadelphia is going to lose. It don't matter if they play Carson Wentz. It don't matter if they play Jalen Hurts. They're going to lose. Let's see who they got, who they have left on the schedule. They have New Orleans this week, but then after New Orleans, they play Arizona at Arizona. They play at Dallas. Mm, that's winnable. And then they play Washington. But I mean, let's be honest. New Orleans, that 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 game, that 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 it doesn't matter who who what quarterback plays. New Orleans is probably gonna win that game. Um, Arizona, they're in the playoff race. Every game, every game, they're desperate to get, so they're going to be playing hard. I'm not sure if Jalen Hurts win that game. He, I, I don't think neither quarterback win, win, wins those games, win those games. But I think it is good for Philadelphia to see what they have in Jalen Hurts, um, to see, you know, is he the, is he the possible future? We don't know. We, I mean, you got to see. You got to give him a shot. And I, I'm not mad with, not mad with Philadelphia 
giving him a shot. I'm not mad with the Eagles giving him a shot. Rightfully so. Carson Wentz has not been playing well. Yes, you are investing a lot of money into Carson Wentz. I think up to $36 million per year. So, like, you don't want a guy making $36 million per year sitting on the bench, but he just, quite frankly, has not played well. Um, Jalen Hurts did give the Eagles, that Eagles offense, some type of spark. You need something to get this initial goal. You need something to get going. You need something to get this team uplifted and going. And Jalen Hurts, he provided that this past Sunday. Now, um... Does he make any difference? No. Like I said, I, I this New Orleans game coming up, I think both quarterbacks, it doesn't matter what quarterback you will play, I think both of, them, both of them will lose. Now, with Carson Wentz and his future, you know, let's just say Jalen Hurts plays really well. You know, it don't – let's just say his play doesn't exactly result into wins these last four weeks. But let's say Jalen Hurts plays well and the Eagles like what they have, like what they saw. Going into next year, what do you do with Carson Wentz? Because if you cut Carson Wentz, that means you're going to take a, 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 a huge cap hit because he's making $36 million a year. He's making $35, $36 million a year. So you're going to take a huge cap hit if you just cut him. So I was thinking about this, and I mentioned, I mentioned this to somebody already, but I think Philadelphia would be – a good match for Carson Wentz. Oh, oh well, now, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. I think Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Colts, would be a good match for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, he played He played in the Midwest um, in his, during his college days in North Dakota. North Dakota isn't Indianapolis, but it's, you know, it's in the same rim. It's in the same region somewhat. Um I think that would be the perfect matchup for him, the perfect match for him. Also, if you don't know, Carson Wentz, his 2017 year, his quote-unquote MVP year, um, Frank Wright was the office coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator. He was the guy calling the plays for the Eagles that year. Frank Wright is currently the Indianapolis Colts head coach. So he's the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He has a great rapport with Carson Wentz. That was the year Carson Wentz played his best football. He played his best football under Frank Wright. So I think um, I think Indianapolis, the Colts, would be a perfect de destination for um, Carson Wentz. Also, you look at the Colts quarterback situation. Despite the, despite the despite Indianapolis being in the playoff picture right now, and they've won a lot of games so far. Despite that. Let's be honest. Philip Rivers <laughs> just don't got the same zip on the ball. He his arm is dead. Philip Rivers just don't have the same arm. Um, and Jacoby Brissett, they kind of tried, they kind of tested and experimented that out already. He just ain't. He's just not the guy. So, I you know this would be a, a door opening for you know for Indianapolis. Both of those guys are on one year deals. Um, they're making a lot of money. Carson, I mean. Um, Philip Rivers, he's making $25 million a year. Jacoby Brissett, he's making $20 million a year. So those both of those guys are making, they're gonna have some big payouts, but they're on one-year deals. But this is the this is the opportunity for Carson Wentz. I think um I think that would be a good match and opportunity for him. Um, you know, Indianapolis, they need a guy that's mobile, that can move around, has a good arm, but 
you know, Frank Wright also, all, you know, also has to, you know, those turnovers. Carson Wentz is known for that. But you look at that Indianapolis roster, they have a strong defense. They have a strong offensive line. They can really run the football. They got some weapons on the outside. So I think Indianapolis, it's it's actually, it's somewhat reminiscent of the 2017 Eagles. 2017 Eagles had a great defense, um, strong offensive line play. Um, Indianapolis has strong offensive and defensive line play. Uh, that Philadelphia, that, that 27, those 2017 Eagles could really run the football. That's what the that's what Indianapolis can do too. They can really run the football. So there's some similarities there with those teams and um and obviously Frank Wright um you know being the coach. Though there, there are some similarities to that 2017 Eagles team. That 2017 year is the year that Carson Wentz you know experienced the most success. So that's how I feel about Carson Wentz in that whole uh little situation, messy situation that's going on in Philadelphia right now and so forth. But if you're the Eagles, you got to think. I mean, <laughs> you know, you got to do something with Carson's because what if you like Jalen Hurts and you decide to play him? Well, you got a quarterback that's making $35 million a year on the bench. You got to do something with that. You got to do something with that or you're just stuck holding the bag. You're just stuck holding the bag. James Harden, NBA, James Harden, you know, it's as clear as day he wants out of Houston. He doesn't want to stay in Houston. He's, he claims he wants to play for he wants to play for a contender. Um, he you know, he wants to win a championship. Obvious, okay, he wants to win a championship and so forth. But and he wants out. I'm I don't think this is you know, I'm just gonna put my two cents in it. I don't this is I don't think this is the, the best way to do it. <laughs> I don't think this is the best way to do it. Um first if you don't know James Harden, he has he's very famous for his uh for his love for the strip clubs. He loves strip clubs, okay? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He loves strip clubs. Um he has rapper friends. I, I just think he's trolling at this point. I think he's I think he's doing it on purpose and I think he's trolling. And he blatant he's I, I feel like he's blatantly doing this. He's blatantly doing it. I mean, hanging out with Meek Mill, hanging out with little baby, celebrating little celebrating him and little baby's birthday, honey buns, a Richard Millie in a Prada bag. Hmm, okay. No mask. And I I hate to be that. I hate to be that like that guy, like that get off my lawn guy. I hate to be that guy, but like, I mean, we're in a pandemic. And it seems like he's going on a world strip club tour. Like he's just like he's just touring all around the, the country's best strip clubs. That's what it seems like he's doing. That, that, that's what it seems like he's doing. I don't think it's the best way to do it. I don't think this is professional. Um, you, you, you know, you're, you're partying, you're doing all of this, you're going to occasions, you're going to events. And I get it. I mean, you want to live your life. I get it. I get it. I get it. You want, and you want out. You want out. You, you don't, you don't particularly love the culture in Houston. Oh, oh wait, you are the culture in Houston. You like you, you're, you're Houston. Like James Harden, like he's Houston. 
Like, and, and literally, the Rockets, the Rockets have done everything since James Harden has like turned into like an OKC. He was a pretty good player, but when he came to Houston, James Harden turned into a bona fide superstar. And ever since then, Houston, the Rockets, you know, granted they've had their struggles and so forth, but they have done everything that that James Harden wanted. Anything that James Harden has asked for, they've gotten them. He's gotten anything. He's gotten any everything he's wanted from the Rockets, and they have done it. And I mean, I get it. You want out, like I said, you want out. His mom is his agent. I have no problem with that. But in a situation like this, I'm thinking about Anthony Davis in the strings that Rich Paul pulled. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis, he wasn't handling the the new, the, the Pelican situation like this. So I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you. I don't know if, if this is the best way to handle it. I, I, actually, I do know this is not the best way to handle it. <laughs> Let me stop saying that. This is this is not the best way to handle this type of situation. Um, and and now and 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 a couple weeks ago, I addressed this you know this trade this James Harden trade rumor stuff, and he was he was he was so sold on Brooklyn. Brooklyn, according to the reports I've been reading in, over the past few weeks, Brooklyn hasn't made a strong pursuit. Over Harden. So now Harden came out yesterday and said, hey, well, he didn't say it like to us, but there was a report that Harden, you know, he's open to tr being traded to the 76ers um, and other contenders. He's traded to up. He's 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 open to being traded to other contenders. And I think th that move right there, I think that's the smartest thing he has done in this whole process, because. Just, just eliminating and singling out the Brooklyn Nets, and that's the only team you want to get traded to. I think it put it, 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 it don't it don't help the Nets, <laughs> um, and the Rockets. They're gonna just up the price. So it, you just you you know there with with him saying, "Hey, I'm open to being traded to the 76ers and other contenders." It opens up more doors. It it opens it opens up more possibilities, um, to a trade actually happening. Because I mean, you're just being you're singling out Brooklyn. There's no guarantee that Brooklyn's gonna make a move. Let's just say, let's just say hypothetically, let's play the game hypothetically. Let's say Brooklyn gets off to a quick start and everything is flowing, and Kyrie and Katie are gelling along with the role players, and and Brooklyn is hot. And Brooklyn, like, hey, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't necessarily want to trade for James Harden. We don't want to mess this up. You know, you got to be open to um some other destinations. So. That is by far the smartest, the smartest thing he's done in this whole process. But he's that's the smartest thing he's done by saying, "Hey, I'm open to you know getting traded to other contenders, um, and, and, and you know like Philly." That that's the smartest thing he's done in this whole process. Because just singling out Brooklyn ain't gonna work. It ain't gonna work. It worked for AD, but you got your mom pulling strings. AD had Rich Paul pulling the strings. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And that's no disrespect to his mom, by the way. That's no disrespect. But Rich Paul, you know, clutch sports, LeBron, Rich Paul. You, you get it? You get it? I'm just trying to I'm just trying to make I'm just trying to make sure you get the difference. You see the difference. You see the difference in power. 
You see the difference in power. You know, Rich Paul, LeBron James, Clutch Sports, you know, you get a lot of leeway. You get a lot of power. You get a lot of stuff going your way when you got Rich Paul on your side. That's all I'm saying. Or some, you know, high-end agent. You know what I mean? But nevertheless, um, I don't I don't like the way he's handling this. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. And I and I and I, I'm not saying it jokingly. I mean it. I'm serious, but I just don't. And I find these antics to be funny or laughable, rather. But you know, the honey buns and no mask and the rich millie. I no no problem with that. You know, spend your money. No problem with that. But you're supposed to be at training camp, and you're not at training camp. Your teammates have training camp, and, and it just kind of it just kind of irks me a little bit. Cause Steven Salas, Steven Salas is a is an he was a he was he was a guy. He was an assistant coach for a long time, who's been waiting for a coaching opportunity. They already traded James. They already traded Russell Westbrook. Now James Harden, you know he he he's on the you know he's on the you know edge. He wants to be out, and I, I just, I just don't think, I just don't like the fact that Stephen Salas. <laughs> I don't like, I don't like the hand that was dealt to Stephen Salas. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't particularly love the hand that he was dealt. That's all. I just don't like, and I, and I don't like how the way Harden is handling this. This isn't professional, but um, you know, like I said. It, it's good to it's good to know that he's open minded in the trade destinations. Um, I think if you want to be honest, yes, you know Brooklyn that would be crazy with Kyrie and KD. That would be that would be crazy. But and that would you know it, it a half a part of me think it would work, and then the other half of me is like, whoa, like how how are those three going to play together? But the Philadelphia. That that move makes more sense. That move makes more sense. That that move, you know, because Philadelphia, we're, we're assuming they would have to trade Ben Simmons in order to get James Harden. And James Harden paired with Joel Embiid and the supporting cast that Philadelphia has, that makes more sense. That is a better, that's a better match than Kyrie, KD, and Harden. Uh. I don't love that. A part of me thinks that would be crazy, but a part of me, the other half of me was like, it's just like, who, how does that even fit? How does that even fit? So, yeah, um, those are my closing remarks. By the way, if you want me to, um, <laughs> it seems like, I don't know, I don't want to call myself the quarterback whisperer, but uh, I criticized a couple quarterbacks last week. They came out and balled out. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I was speaking the truth. Maybe I was preaching the gospel. I don't know. I don't know. But they came out and played well. Um, <laughs> Jerry Goff. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure Sean McVay probably had a conversation. How do I know that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he did. But I'm uh, I'm kind of sure he did. <laughs> I'm kind of sure he did. Um, Jared Goff played pretty well. Um, the Rams defense played pretty well against Kyle Murray and the Cardinals. Um, I'm really high on the Rams. I, I, I'm, I'm really high on the Rams. I, obviously, New Orleans, I think right now is the best team in the NFC. 
Um, obviously, Green Bay is going to be right there with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Those guys are going to be obviously right there. But the Rams, they, um, they, they're, they're that team right there defensive. The things they can do defensively, um, is scary. The things they can do defensively is scary because they have a championship level defense. And if Jared Goff is just able to um, control the game, don't lose the game, the Rams, ladies and gentlemen, could be absolutely scary and and could be making another Super Bowl run if Jared Goff, you know, puts all that puts all those tools together and just don't lose the game and play the game and don't turn over the football. If he's able to do that, I like the Rams. The Rams are scary. The Rams are scary. The Rams are scary. But without further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. It's been a good one. I'm going to let you guys go. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I wanted to talk about some Josh Allen. Sorry to the Beals fans. Sorry to the Josh Allen fans. I wanted to talk about Josh Allen a little bit, but uh, I, 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 I could, but I don't want to. I don't want to keep rambling. I catch you guys on the next episode. I'll probably talk about that next episode. Also, um, soon coming soon, I'm gonna be giving you guys my top ten NBA teams coming into the coming into the season. Um, since the season is a couple weeks away, I'm gonna give you guys that list. My top ten teams coming into the NBA season. Uh, obviously, my top ten teams and so forth and so forth. But I catch you guys later. I'm out. Peace. Deuces. Enjoy this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, and without further ado, I'm on. I'm gone. Always remember two choices, one decision. Peace.